everybody, live from a toasty, balmy day in Koreatown. It is uh, the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Sticky Terry. Terry. With, <laughs> I'm here with Sticky Terry. Yo, yo, Sticky. <laughs> what, ah. What's happening? You joined Onyx B. I did. I got Sticky. Wow. What is going on? Two years in a row. Hey. What? Two years in a row. Shout out to Microsoft. Two years in a row, we got... Uh, Humidity in Los Angeles. I'll pass. I'll. That's not actually what I'm looking, looking for. Looking for an exit strategy. Right I now. am looking for an exit strategy, Tom. And you know why? Because with this humidity comes the mosquitoes. Yeah, and the stickiness. And I'm not. I don't like either one. I can pass. I don't need the honey on my skin. Oh, oh yeah. And you have to take too many showers. Oh, come on. East Coast, talk to me. How do you guys do it? Freaking drenched. So many showers. So much baby powder is necessary to stay fresh. That's what you use. What's happening? I can't. You can't even keep. I'm, I'm Johnson sorry. And Johnson. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't even keep it in. This is just unbelievable. It's so sticky out. Uh, I need a shower right now. So let's hurry up and get through the podcast. We got a lot to cover today, folks. We want to talk about uh, the baseball. We want to talk about the football. Big news in football. But we want to talk about, right now, boxing for this weekend. It's going down. Your boy Lomachenko, your favorite is out. I'm not mad at Loma. I'm but, not either. But how about that training video? Yeah. Jeez Louise. If you didn't know, go to the Ozone handle on Twitter, uh, and you will see some tremendous Lomachenko training videos. It's real. Like, oh, man, this guy's coordination is berserk. I just have a problem with everybody anointing him the best fighter in the, in the sport of boxing because he hasn't earned that yet. To me. They've pulled off on that. It's very interesting. Dave, a lot of people have pulled back. He went from being unanimous number one on everybody's pound-for-pound pound list to now you see him up there. He's four. He's five. Who's number one now? A lot of people have Canelo at number one. No, I've seen Canelo not even in the top five now. Wow. Yeah, I'm just literally. telling you. I've seen, I've seen, they keep Terrence Crawford up there. Yeah. They keep Crawford up there. They play games with Earl Spence. He's like number three. I see Nello up there. I never see Usyk in the top five, which is amazing to me. Torn bicep. But yeah, but he's the only, you know, unified, undisputed champion in all of the whole sport. Not anymore, though. He gave him up, right? Yeah, he gave him up. He gave him up. But, but you know, he was that for a long time, too. He just moved up. And a bag of chips. <laughs> yeah. And so now we have this weekend, uh, Vasily Lomachenko is fighting against the pride of England's Luke Campbell. Yeah, that guy's supposed to be able to chunk him. I'm not really familiar with his work. but Well, you know, the thing is, he has a distinct size advantage. It, uh, if a lot of guys. If he fights yeah, tall. If he fights tall. Is he going to use his size? Is he going to use his length to keep use that jab to keep him at distance? Come 1-1-2. One, 1-2. One, two. One, two, you know, mix it up. Keep him off of me. Yeah. Uh, because if not, it's going to be more of what we see, where Loma gets comfortable and then he puts on the show. Take you to the balls, <laughs> dance around yeah, on you. Get around and get you to Cinderella. Yeah. But what I will say is is that this is at 35, and these are the fights where we're going to actually see if Loma is as advertised. We've already seen that he's legit, but I've also seen him fight a bunch of undersized guys, right. even though he's only had 13 fights. Well, when like, he fought Linares, Linares looked like he was giving him a problem. Yeah, and the size gave him a problem. Yeah. And he ended up overcoming as a champion should. He got off the mat and got it done. Body. <laughs> Body. But it but it was uh but now we're gonna see that. And we also, I don't know if you saw this, Loma said that uh he's focused because because Luke Campbell has a size and a reach advantage and he, he probably to needs focus to be on that. Right? I'm sure he does because if you watch him and you watch him run around with uh, Alexander Usyk, uh-huh. they love the challenge. Yeah. They love fighting. They yeah. love the idea. He really does want to be the best. Yes, and he wants it to be undisputed. Like he wants, to, I am the best. If I had more and weight, he wants I'd to be convince everybody that he's the best. He this one hundred percent. And he even for that, he even said after this fight, I'm willing to go back down to one thirty to make the fight with Tank Davis. I think we can make this fight if he wants it. 
Yeah, Bob Arum calling him out, saying that Floyd really doesn't want to get Tank in there. He really is not a believer. Eddie Hearn did the same thing. I, you start. Did you see that? Yeah, but you're starting to question it now. You know they're putting it out there, so maybe. Well, Eddie Hearn literally jumped on Twitter last night, or I think it was Twitter, and said, uh, or he did. No, no, no. He did one of the uh, one of the blogs, uh-huh. and they asked him about him fighting Tevin Farmer. He said, "Look, the Mayweather promotions they want him to be a pay per view star, and Mayweather promotions international fan base is nothing in comparison to the zones." He was like, "So, you tell me." Don't lie to me and tell me that Leonard Ellery is, is, is as the saying is that Tank gets five million dollars. He goes, I hope he's getting five million, but we all know he's not getting five million per fight. He said, Gervonta, go on Twitter tonight. Just put up a number. You don't have to put the whole number up, and I'll offer you that. He goes, put the number up. I'll offer you that. What is your number to fight Tevin Farmer? And let's make it happen. Wow. Yeah. Did so, you see a number? I did not see a number from uh, Young Tank, so I don't know. You know, I, they they keep it. They try to keep it pretty tight over there in the rankings at Mayweather Promotions and try to keep the solidarity. But, I mean, he's getting called out left and right. So now you're talking about potentially Lomachenko and or Tevin Farmer. These are two fights at 130 that are real tests. I think they're they're hurting the stock because if you do something like that and you never answer the bill as far as going out and fighting any of these upper echelon fighters, then people start to question your skill set. Right. As Tank, you know, I think I feel like Tank has the skills to pay the bills, but we have to see him battle tested. We sure do because he keeps having one and two round fights. Exactly, you know, and uh, yeah, this is this is an interesting thing. But I like Loma. Um, I like Loma going into this. Like I said, and like you said, if Luke Campbell actually fights tall and can use his tools, he could give him a serious problem. But what we keep seeing is. People are intimidated by Loma by the time they get into the ring. Right. It's almost the Mike Tyson effect. A bit of it. Yeah. And, I mean, it just it's a testament to how good he is, but wow. It's, it's really not. I think that they're buying into more the 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 lure, you know, not actually watching his fights. He's a great fighter. But you have to see him, you know, battle tested, like I said. I, 13 fights is not enough for me to anoint him the next coming. Right. Yeah, we're about to see. Uh, because he keeps fighting them and he keeps knocking them down and knocking them out. So I mean, did you ever see that one fight that he lost with the Salido? Yeah, I, I've never. He seen bullied that. him. He literally just bullied him. And and it's funny because Orlando Salido came out. I think his name is Orlando. He came out uh, and said before this fight. Now he was like, I had success, and he gave some t- pointers to Campbell. He was like, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that Loma was just coming out of amateurs, so he didn't complain about what I was doing during the fight. But he complained a lot about it after the fight. He goes, and that was a sign of his lack of of professionalism. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a problem, you have to make it clear to the ref during the fight. And instead, what he did was he said, oh, you know what? No, he's hitting me low. He's roughing me up. He's pushing me. He's using his head, blah, 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 blah. But he didn't say any of that until after the fight. Well, by then it was too late and he lost. Why didn't they run it back? I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, because Salido would want to run it back. Salido is a bit of a, everybody sees it as kind of like a one-off for Salido. He's a bit of a journeyman at this point. He's wrapped up his career. He's no longer relevant like that. And Loma has advanced since then leaps and bounds, you know. To the elite status. To the Uber elite. He's there. He rides Uber helicopter. (laughs) Lux. And so then the second piece I wanted to cover was a tweet that Showtime Sean Porter put out that I was just, it goes back to what you were saying before. When you looked up his amateur record and said that what that he beat Usyk in yeah. amateurs, yeah, he's beaten a lot of the big bigger fighters. Everybody's sleep on him. He's an elite fighter. Sean Porter was is sparring with David Benavidez in preparation for his fight. <laughs> he said, "Iron sharpens iron." 
which is very interesting because in that sense, I wonder how that works with between him. How does that work in for Benavidez? Like, how does that help him prepare for the dog, for Anthony Durrell? I think it would help him prepare just because Sean is somewhat of a dog. You know what I'm saying? Sean is a dog, yeah. no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, so that's going to help him out. But dimensions-wise, Sean and AD that, are totally different. But I think they're just mixing it up, a guy that's moving forward, a guy that's a problem in general. You know, Pressure. You, yeah, you get to work on your skill set. Right. And I really I know that Benavides is favorite, but I feel like the dog's got him. The dog. That's my boy, to, too. Yeah, <laughs> we got three. We got uh, almost four weeks exactly to that fight. It's going down two mm-hmm. days after the premiere of The Unicorn on CBS. Nice. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get you some uh, guests. I'm going to get you guys some guests from Ballers since this is our last season has been announced. We'll get you guys some guests before the show stops airing. You guys give us a call in. Let us know what you think about this season thus far. We're at 323-254-9663. Talk sports, talk ballers. You know, we got a new show coming out called 424 Unicorn. And you know what? Or you could just call that guy 323. <laughs> I lied. The number is 424-254-9663. Good call, dude. 424-254-9663. Wow, it works. The melody just works. You can drop it in anywhere. Just drop it in. I might order my coffee like that in the morning. It's going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. What if you ordered everything like that? That would be awesome. Ah. <laughs> Uh, and then in the world of tennis, gonna move on to this front side quickly. In the world of tennis, but Wimbledon is going is is past, and and Simona Halep's reign is over that quickly Just because quick. Taylor Townsend uh, on had enough for her, and that was a tough match, yeah. a grueling match. I, Taylor is a sleeper in my opinion. I really like her, and I've liked her for about a year now. And well, why she, can't she move up in the rankings? Well, you know what? Because you, you have to win, and you have to win like it's a win against a win against Halep is going to leap her up. But she needs to win, and she needs to win at big tournaments. Mm-hmm. I think like a, lo- a lot of the other young ladies, she has a gaps in her consistency, mm-hmm. and that that's how you move up in the rankings. You know, you have to you have to win and get there and be there all the time. So, how far do you think that'll move her up by being Halle? I don't know what the the actual. Um, She's ranked one sixteenth at this point. I mean, she'll jump up. She's going to jump way up, and it just it's also Ladies, you think, it's going to depend. Yeah, but it's going to also depend on what she does in the next round. Mm. So it's not just that, but but we have the the clash of the the Titan and the and the mini Titan coming up tomorrow. Right. Oh, I'm pumped up. Naomi Osaka is going to face Coco Golf, and Coco Golf actually is is in the process, like we were talking about with Lomachenko, getting battle tested, right? Because what she's doing is so impressive. She had the Cinderella type run at Wimbledon until Simona Halep had enough. And shut it down on her en route to winning the championship. I do believe it was Simona Halep that beat her. Yeah. And then um and then she got tested in the second round here at the US Open, um, and was down and had to come back, had to show the comeback kid. You know, this young lady is so impressive, not only because she's fifteen years old, but because she's resilient. Yeah, the mental fortitude is there. It's there. Mm-hmm. You can see it. And sometimes she gets down, she gets a little pouty, and somehow or another something happens, she flips the switch and she's right back on. You see that the older the older heads in the in the uh league is they try to break her, you know, yes, they mentally. Try to break her mentally and she yeah. she can stay focused. And she can stay focused and she can bounce back after mm-hmm. she loses focus. This is what seems like it's tough in the world of, of tennis in general, but especially right now in women's tennis. Actually you're seeing it on both sides. 
because you see it like right now, uh, uh, the, the, the Greek kid Tsitsipas, he came out and said he isn't even necessarily interested or focused on, on tennis right now. Right. And you like, see yo, the same bro. thing with Naomi Osaka as well. Sometimes yeah. she's there and sometimes she's not. Yeah. Because she yeah, has the all the tools. Yeah. yeah. That's physically. She has there. all the tools. And this is why it's very going to be very interesting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Osaka. Are you? Go yeah, Osaka. I'm going with Go Osaka, but I've been Go Osaka for, you know, about 18 months now. Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, she, she better come to play. Because Coco Golf is there to play, and they both their mentors like Serena and Venus. You know, yeah. so now it's going to be the clash of the the under titans. Yeah, yeah, to the, of the of the the next generation, if you will. Right. And with that, with that same theory, this is what's going on. It seems like with Sloan Stevens. Sloan won the U.S. Open two years ago, and ever since that win, she got her three million dollar check and just hasn't seemed to have been able to focus. Hangover. You think it's a hangover? I think so. You know, you start living a good life. I mean, I don't think Stone Stevens was living a bad life before. But, no, but I'm just but there's saying, a different you know, level of yeah, exposure when yeah. you become a Grand Slam champion, yeah, for sure. And not everybody can do it. This is this is because there's a lot of stuff going on off the court as well as on the court, and then you have to you know interject that into your life now, and it takes away probably from practice, from your focus and attention, and then you're out there stepping out there to the um, excuse me, and dude. <laughs> You stepping out there, and you know, and the other t- other person's focusing. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It's three sixty five to be a champ yeah. for sure. Uh, and want to move in on news and notes in the world of basketball. Did you see the USA had that streak? That international streak snapped. Not focused. That's where they're, they're not focused. It's, yeah. That's why I went there. When it goes right along with it. And yeah, you put up an uh, an article on the Athletic where Coach Popovich says Harrison Barnes is the only player on Team USA that even knows how to win. That's terrible. It is terrible. Because I watched that game against Australia. And Harrison Barnes is playing on Sacramento. Yeah. Not but he's mean, a champ. But he's a champ. And he was a he was a, a key component of that championship. Uh, he knows how to go. Warriors. He knows yeah. how to go. But Of the first one. Yeah, but, but these guys, man, you go out there and you represent the country and you can't go out there and, as they freaking say, lollygag. You can't lollygag. Can't Especially because. Can't let Australia get dubbed. I know well, that's the thing. And they have a lot of, they have a lot of NBA players. Yes. So we're talking about guys that are good completely up to code. Yeah. yeah. They had a lot of big guys. Man, they had big guys. Yeah. Ingles, uh, Baines is on the team. Baines. Yes, he is. There's a lot of guys that are, that are big on, man, big in Australia. And then Patty Mills just with the dagger consistently. He killed them. I don't know if this will be a wake-up call. I never knew call. that Patty Mills was from. Uh, oh, I did. I learned it. I learned it. Aussie Mac. Yeah, I learned it during the playoffs about two years ago. That's when back when he was uh, when he was Tony Parker's backup, mm. and he came in killing. And they spoke to him after one game, and he had a heavy accent. Mike, it's like wow. Um, and let's talk about the biggest splash, the biggest news, which is what Kobe Bryant said. We'll let you hear it straight from here. Technical question here. Let's sure. see how you can answer this. Who would Shaq be if he had your work ethic? He'd be the greatest of all time. If Shaq had your work ethic? He'd be the greatest of all greatest time. Greatest of all time by For sure. He, he'd be the first to tell you that. For sure. I mean, this guy was a, a force. Like, I have never seen. I mean, it was crazy. You know, a guy at that size. Generally, guys at that size are a little timid, and they don't want to be tall. They don't want to be big. Man, this dude was... He did not care. He was mean. He was nasty. He was competitive. He was vindictive. I mean, he was, yeah. I wish he was in a gym. I would have had fucking 12 rings. Very, very candid take from uh, Kobe Bryant. And, you know, I'm here for it. Because 
Kobe Bryant is full of that bud. He is. I mean, and it's and disappointing. Just, uh, but uh, And then I heard a couple of people talking about it wasn't really a jab at Shaq. It is a jab at Shaq. And you saw what Shaq said. Yeah. Shaq said a, you'd have 12 rings if you passed the effing ball. <laughs> and if you listen deeper into the conversation, Kobe is talking about, well, I'm not going to pass the ball to you. you. You're not in shape. I kick it back. You, man, man, get the effing rebound. Yeah, that, that was unreal. I mean, this is a clear. First and foremost. He's, he's a key person. To the transition of the game moving away from the big man. Yeah. This is a key time in basketball history where, as they say in the streets, the game got messed up. <laughs> and he, he messed it up. He did. Game got twisted. He's got to take responsibility for that, too. He doesn't want to take any responsibility. First and foremost, Shaq is not, does not have his frame. So Shaq is never going to be able to run the court like he's able to run the court. Just like he's never going to be able to dominate internally the exactly. way Shaquille will. Second Which then in all, turn makes you dominate the whole game. Yeah. Second of all... He wouldn't have had any of his rings if it wasn't for Shaq. Not one. Because he's an enforcer, and there's no enforcers in the league like that anymore. So if you you do something to Kobe, you should know that somebody's going to get punished on that team by Shaquille O'Neal. And even the two that he got back-to-back after Shaq were a product of him learning how to win with Shaquille O'Neal. But he takes and he gets all the credit for them winning. He sure does, despite the fact that Shaquille was the MVP in all of them. <laughs> and let's talk about when the tires start falling off the vehicle was when he got caught. He got caught. This is when everything, nobody wants to talk about yeah, that. He got caught in Colorado playing grab ass. He playing grab ass in Colorado. Got might caught. might have even been worse than grab yeah. ass. But then the I, allegation was it was even, it was forceful. Yes. And then he throws Shaq under the bus. Shaq is at the house. I'm at the crib. Why are you telling on me? All that I'm doing, I'm out eating the chicken sandwich. <laughs> Come on, I was slobbing. She was slobbing, and I ordered the big breakfast. <laughs> Shaq was ordering the big breakfast. And he's getting – and now you're throwing his name out there. That's where the rubber <laughs> – where the tires fell apart. The, the wheels fell the, they, all the way off. came completely off. And that's also, if you remember, when Kobe Bryant felt the need to really show out on the scoring front. Yeah. Because what happened was he came back – A diversionary tactic. That's what it was. Through scoring, I mean, I, I, I've, now, don't I've sleep. always he said was it. a great player, one of the best ever. But there's been a lot of great players in the league like him who never won anything. Yes, and if you put don't put him together, have that dynamic duo with Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe does not win anything. And like I've said a million times, there are were about seven to ten other guards in the league who you could put plug and play at that same period and tenure that Kobe Bryant had yep. that then in turn would have had the same result or yep. better with Shaquille O'Neal. Yep. You got Tracy McGrady who was there at the time. Stephon Marbury, Alan Vince Iverson. Vince Carter, Alan Iverson, Stevie Franchise. There was a lot of dudes who could have stepped in and passed the ball to Shaquille O'Neal and hit a couple clutch shots. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. And it's funny though because it's the way that it's framed and obviously they're cordial enough to talk about it and joke about it now. But the way that it's framed, it really is framed as though Kobe was the A-side as they say. Yeah. You're not the A-side when there's the most dominant seven-footer ever. Seven, two, whatever he is. Not the most dominant ever. You went too far. No, I'm not. He's he the most, too much. No, I'm not. He's he the most physically dominant ever. Now, I'm, the, the captain is the, most, <laughs> okay, is, is the highest scorer ever, but that's not. That's not the captain was dominant. Yeah, but that's not dom- the, the way that Shaquille O'Neal was dominant was in a brutish, forceful, yeah. forceful, like violent way. 
Kareem can actually run you up and down the court. And I read a great article. If you guys haven't read it, there's a great article. I think it's in Variety or the New York Times. It's an op-ed that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was very disappointed in the portrayal that Quentin Tarantino put forward of, of Bruce of Bruce Lee, Bruce who was Lee. his friend and mentor, uh-huh. his friend and his teacher. Uh, and and you guys should check that article out because it's a really read, well-written yeah. article. And what Kareem, besides the, the, the what Kareem is saying about Quentin Tarantino – being, uh, you know, culturally appropriating nonsense, which is actually uh, uh, Boots Riley just wrote something about it as well, which was about how the Manson tribe was not a bunch of fun-loving, weed-smoking hippies. They were a bunch of white supremacists who wanted to incur violence, who then in turn to start a race riot. Yeah, and but of course, all of that. I haven't seen the film, but I've I kind of I've been easy on Quentin Tarantino films for a while now because of this sort of revisionist history that he seems mm-hmm. to love, and some reason people go along with. But I digress. What Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said in that article as well was he talked about how uh, learning from and hanging out with. Bruce Lee taught him so much about his body and his ability to remain primarily injury free to have such a long career, which nobody will have nowadays, especially not a big man. Yeah, no chance. A guy that's seven, four will play for 25 years, 20 years or something. First and foremost, they get paid too much money. (laughs) So they get right. I don't even I'm not even interested in playing anymore. (laughs) I have seven billion dollars. All right. I started my own league. (laughs) Yeah. But but with that, you ran off. Back to the story, Kobe Bryant ran off the best player in the NBA at that time by far. Yes. Shaquille O'Neal was the best player in the NBA there at that time. There wasn't any answer for him. There's no answer for him. Everybody fouled him every single time he touched the they ball. They changed the rules. They changed the rules. I mean, you now they have a zone in the just, league. Just for you kids that don't understand, in the past, you could only play man-to-man in the NBA. Yes, and there weren't. The you just had allowed. to get worn out by by Shaq. one by Shaq or Michael Jordan or you can whoever. triple team him if you want. You can but triple team him. Wide open. People are going to be wide open, and you wind up with a Steve Kerr in your life, yeah, or a Robert Ory in your life. Yeah. But when you're looking at the situation, they literally change the rules. They change the rules for Shaquille O'Neal because he was too dominant. And this is before he even won a championship. They were just too tired of watching him dunk on everybody. They didn't even keep keep track of the dunk stats like they did until Shaquille O'Neal came to the scene. Because he was killing people. Like, busting people's nose, busting people's teeth. Breaking down the rims. Breaking down the rims. He said he could break the rim at any time. And he proved it over and over again that he wanted to. Sometimes if he wanted a break in the middle of the game, he'd just monster, <laughs> just monster dunk, and then they have to take an hour off to bring in a new rim. Unbelievable! And all of this because, as well, side note, I'll take Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal over Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. If you're talking about prime Penny versus prime Kobe Bryant, I would take AI. No, I'm, but I, I, I'm talking about guys that actually played together. Oh, so okay, you, okay. I mean, that's nice to get. <laughs> it would be nice to get AI, but AI wanted to play I, with I'm, him bad I'm talking too. about guys that played together. And when Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal played together, there was literally no answer because Penny Hardaway didn't have the ego issue. Right. And he recognized the greatness that Shaq gave him. I'm still surprised after all this time that Kobe would bring it up and then he's saying that everybody's trying to start something. You, you brought it. You did you that. You brought that up. Yeah. You can't. They would have beat the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons' game plan was to let Kobe do his thing. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. He bought right into it. You got your numbers, and you got an L. And Shaquille O'Neal gave you, I do believe he averaged 36 and 20 in that series. How you doing? 
Mm. He was there was no answer. And how about this? What's so crazy is that was considered Ben Wallace shutting him down. <laughs> ben shut him down. <laughs> that was considered to be Ben Wallace shutting him down. They had with Ben gardening. He looked like a little kid. Everybody looked like a kid next to Shaq. Except for every blue moon, he would run into a guy that was close to his size, oh, and then he would really put it on. Yeah. Y'all actually gave him problems, y'all but I, I meant problem. the other other big guys. Y'all gave him problem once or twice. After that, he put it on y'all too. I mean, but y'all y'all put his numbers up as yeah. well. Came front on y'all. Y'all oh, gave y'all him great nice. big man work. Just too big. Yeah, his foot. Like Shaq, Shaq was a brute. Yeah, man. There was. I, I'm. I just can't roll. And I've been seeing people on Twitter nonstop talking about how Kobe is right and blah blah blah. I'm like, man, you guys. They're are victim of the moment because insane. Shaq doesn't run around talking about it. That's Shaq, just all it is, you know. And, and Shaq could go anywhere. He could have went anywhere and won his rings with with in a compliment of players. With a compliment of players. Yeah, Kobe. On the other hand, you know he had Pal Gasol. Who who else did he win with? He won with Pal. Andrew Bynum, who yeah, was and totally Bynum. underrated yeah. at that point, rolled on his knee. And he rolled on his knee several times to make sure that the man would never have a long career right. in the NBA. But somehow or another, Kobe Bryant and people like Kobe Bryant seem to feel like, because Andrew Bynum was one of those people they said had a, a suspect work ethic. Yeah. Now, Shaq did not have a suspect work ethic. He didn't have the, the, the same mentality about the work that Kobe Bryant may have had. I understand but, Shaq's mentality, though, because he's out there physically dominant. He doesn't have to do all the extra work that Kobe needs to do to dominate. That's it. So why is it that I'm going to spend all of my time in the gym when I'm going to walk out here and I'm bigger and stronger and nicer than everybody? Why is it that out I'm out of bed? You're talking about practice? You're talking about practice. <laughs> come on. I haven't seen you. You want to leave the can't. weight room. I, he can still literally come down there and pull the rim down. Can you do that? Right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the assistance, it's so disrespectful because the assistance that Shaquille O'Neal gave to Kobe Bryant. I think that the enforcer thing is not looked out. It's, it's not looked out enough. It's not looked at enough, man. No. You need, back in the day, you had to have an enforcer. Yeah, Charles Oakley. Yeah. You, Every, Charles everybody Barkley was an enforcer. Sure was. Yeah, you know, sure was. you have your little point guards running around doing their thing, and if they get hit, I mean, hard or time, whatever. I mean, Horace Grant would, would, would yeah, even Horace Grant would rough you up. He'll rough you yeah. up. Yeah, it just, it's, uh, it's just unbelievable to me that he would pull that card. And get everybody to be a victim of the moment. And they fall for it because because of his they drank the Kool Aid weak performance with his sixty point Olay performance when everybody let him score all those points in the last game of his career. Yeah, because that's the last image you remember. And I tell you, nothing but nothing but nothing cures evils in the United States for Americans like winning. It doesn't matter what you do if you can win, if you can highlight. That's all they care about. And by they, I mean we. Because I'm still an American, <laughs> but it's a, it's unbelievable. We are they, yeah, and they're with us, and you're with me. <laughs> oh, the it's, it's it's unbelievable. I really, I'm I'm really blown away. I saw the clip. I was like, Are you kidding me? Yeah. How about even if he wasn't in the if he wasn't in shape as you want to call it, but he actually just stayed and you didn't run him off. How about that? How about he wasn't in shape and he won all those rings by not being in shape? Yeah. If, <laughs> if you call it that, he's, he's <laughs> not in shape. That. And honestly, he went up the next year and should have reported right back to the finals. But that's why they had to get Eddie Jones out of there. Eddie Jones and Damon Jones had to go until he yeah. had to turn Dwayne Wade into Kobe Bryant two, the three not even right. 2.0. because it was Penny Hardaway was the first Kobe Bryant, then Kobe Bryant, then I Dwayne Wade. I honestly don't believe that Kobe would have ever won a title at all. Not at that period, O'Neal. because that means Shaquille O'Neal would have been playing somewhere else. Exactly, <laughs> and it wasn't. You weren't going to beat him. No. They weren't going to beat him in the finals. I mean, and and there's no chance that he beats David Robinson and Tim Duncan together without Shaquille O'Neal. Come on, man. Every year they had to play the Spurs. And that Spurs team was formidable. Two nice seven-footers. Fundamentally sound. Come on, man. One playing point. I mean, one playing power forward, one playing, playing center. center. 
And you got a Sean Elliott. Sometimes you got Robert Ori. Come on, you man. got the homie Vinny Del Negro. What was the who was Tony it? Parker? You yeah, got a lot of a lot of nice squad good defender on that squad. What was it? who was that? You talking about Bruce Bowen? Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen was a good defender. He was a good defender. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. They lied. They, they lied. lied. So. They lied. They lied. Yeah, they lied. But but either way it goes, I don't know, man. Bruce Bowen actually liked to bring in that sticking your foot under a guy when he's coming down on the jumper. He he really pioneered that move. <laughs> <laughs> Took him a long time to perfect it. But he got it. He's been home practicing it. Exactly. <laughs> ah, my ankle. I just went to go to the microwave, Bruce. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was controversial to say the least. But Kobe knows what he's doing. And just like Shaq knows what he's doing, which is exactly why he came out and said what he said. Yeah. Now, who does not seem to know what he's doing and the world is really coming down on him, kind of like in the way that Jaleel said, is DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. He helps DeMarcus Cousins. So, and this all seems to be stemming from a previous incident, but there's a uh, a warrant out for his arrest down in Alabama because an ex, uh, his the mother of his child, did not want to let his child, for an unknown reason, attend his wedding. And apparently she recorded him threatening her, put a bullet in her head for it. Now, he's willing, and he's being potentially charged with three misdemeanors, I do believe it is, but he's willing to turn himself into the authorities but because he just had the ACL surgery, he's not it, – it's not – you know, he can't do it. It's a trip to me by when you get a – can't cer- fly. Well, when you get a certain amount of money, how you, it's optional to go to jail. How crazy is that? You <laughs> see like, it oh, in the White House. It's unbelievable. I, I may I'm may going to jail right now. I, I, I may or may not go to the hearing. call me back in about six months, and then I might go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it matters how my my My, my schedule looks. <laughs> Look at this. I'm looking at my this subpoena. This is so funny. Look at this. The United States government wants you to come to court. I'm not. Silly fools. Yeah. Yeah, that's a trip. I have to do those, old man. I can't go. <laughs> crazy? Something tells me they'll still come get you. You think? Yeah. So they're saying he, he because he's not medically clear to fly, and he's. That's unbelievable. He said that he wants to turn himself in to the authorities. But I'm chilling in my mansion. I can't come right now. My knees still <laughs> swole. I need a couple more weeks. That is crazy to me. Just even the whole concept of optionally going to jail. Hmm. They gonna go to the game? Nah. I'm gonna go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool to me. A and B options. A and B selection. Wow. So now to speak about our favorite sport. Once again, folks, a game so fine it's played on diamonds. Major League Baseball is in its dog days of the season, and the playoff picture is becoming clear and clear. But unfortunately, uh, the news has come out about what killed the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim star pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Uh, we were actually on the air for the Ozone about two months back when we found out that he passed away in Texas on a road trip. And now the autopsy is saying that it was a toxic cocktail, uh, a mix of fentanyl, oxycodone, and alcohol that led to his death. And his family is saying they will be relentless about finding out how he got the narcotics. Now, this fentanyl is running amok, huh? It is. I think that um, his family finding out how he got it. You, if a guy's on that kind of stuff, you're not going to stop him from getting it. He's you're gonna, not going to stop him from getting especially it, especially when he has access with money and people and everything else. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You're going. You, I think they he's just going to get it. They want somebody to pay, you yeah. know, because that 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 I'm sure they're hurting right now. But really, I don't see whoever got it for him. It's uh, they have to live with that. Well, and he had to take it. 
And he had to take it. He had to be responsible for taking it, right? He had to take it. And it's really unfortunate. Uh, you just you wonder uh, how people get involved. A guy like Tyler Sags, it just it just goes to show you never know what's going on in people's lives. You know? Right. You never know what's happening behind the scenes. Everybody has got multiple faces. That's it. You know, and this guy probably, he had, he obviously had another face because he makes a cocktail that's, a toxic cocktail, man. That that what he took. They said he died on his own vomit, pretty much. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's really terrible. Yeah, because whatever it is, the pain that he was looking to to cope with, or whatever it was that he was looking to deal with, seems like it really, you know, it put him into this position where he wanted uh, to get away or to to get buzzed or whatever it is. And if you're messing around with that stuff, you have to be really really careful. The mix is we we've seen it over and over again. This is the same way kind of way they got Prince right now. Do you think that this is the first time he? You know, no, yeah, I don't. You know what's funny though? I wonder about that because it seems like you would either OD the first time you do it, right, or you've done it a bunch of times and you just actually you were already faded and so you kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and eventually your body's like, hey man, that's all I got. Because I honestly believe that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone that was with him when it happened, when he was taking it. You know what I'm saying? That's Yeah, who's it, keeping that? It's stuff very like that. rare for people to take medicine like that by themselves. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think there's usually a group activity. Yeah. Uh, it's really unfortunate. I feel bad for his family. Yeah. Uh, and the game lost a great one there. He was, he was a, a lot of Everybody potential. loved him. A lot of potential. Man, he could shut you down on any given night. Yeah. Man. Um. And we went to the stadium. We told you guys last week that we were heading to Chavez Ravine to watch the Yankees and the Dodgers in a potential World Series matchup. And over the weekend, the excuse me, the Yankees took two out of three from the Dodgers. And this was a Yankee team that honestly is pretty beat up. They didn't have anywhere near their full complement of players. Right. And Aaron Judge found his footing in Los Angeles and has been on a tear ever since. He hadn't hit many bombs. I think he hadn't hit a bomb in like a few, almost got a him now. Or and now he's hit about twenty six in the last got, seven got his days. sea legs. Man, he's got his sea legs. But what we want to analyze about this series is what we've been telling you guys since last year when the Boston Red Sox hopped the turnstiles of the dugout at Dodger Stadium, which is if Cody Bellinger can't get himself together in big games, the Dodgers are going nowhere. And this is the problem because the Dodgers don't want to concede that he can't get it done right now. Not that he won't be able to get it done in the future, but he can't get it done right now. So you might have to drop him down in the lineup because he gets exploited or exposed every time they play a big game. James Paxton carved him. Totally. Every pitcher that they had carved him. Everybody carved him. They have a recipe for him, and he was eating it up. And it's almost, we talked about this at the game. I would love to hear what you guys think about this. You give us a call, 424-254-9663. But it's almost as if the league allows him to dominate until it's time for the tight situations and they just to, to put the seed yeah. back in his head. Hey, guess what? We know you can hit high fastballs and low and all, away off speed pitches, and you will give us the little league softball swing when you lose your confidence. Well, and the problem is that he doesn't have to swing at that pitch. That pitch is not a strike. And they're throwing strikes by him, and then they he throw strikes by him, and, and then, then they make him go the to the ball. dirt low and away. We've watched it the last two postseasons every single time, and it's a confidence thing. And then the Dodgers did something that was just unacceptable in my book. Yeah, very much so. The Dodgers, the guy strikes out three times, and the Dodgers took him out of the game. And he's supposed to be one of the best players in the league, in the game. In period. all of baseball. Yeah. You just.
got to get carved, man. Yeah, you just got to take. Your you got to wear that, and you got to go out in the field, and you got to look at all around and be like, "Damn, I got carved." Yeah, and I need then, to go back to the drawing board. This what makes you a better player, or, or breaks you, or it breaks you because you get carved. Because what we saw happen was he got carved on Friday night. James Paxton carved him three strikeouts and three non-competitive at bats, three bad, ugly strikeouts. CC got him, and then the fourth, and then in the fourth at bat, he wasn't there. They took him out of the game. They took Justin Turner out of the game and put Russell Martin in at third base, and Justin was Turner crazy. was getting carved. Right. Then the next day, CeCe gave Cody Bellinger work. And then after that, Zach Britton came in, and my goodness, forget about it. Three pitches. Three pitches. Get out of there. And then on Sunday, I was actually at the game again on Sunday, and Domingo Herman gave him work. So it's not like this is a solely lefty-on-lefty thing, which, by the way, if you're supposed to be my franchise player, I don't care if you throw out, bring out a guy, if you bring out Jim Abbott. I don't care if you bring out a guy that throws left and right or Man, throws with his whatever. feet. You're supposed to be the guy that can hit everybody. At least make contact. And this is my concern, folks. And he did make contact one time. He hit a hard ground ball to second base, and the second baseman booted it. Labor Torres booted it, and they gave him a base They knock. gave him a base knock. And I think in one other at bat, he got a walk. Yeah. Other than that, I can't remember Cody Bellinger being a factor in that. He, he did steal a home run, though. Yeah, but you can't, in the outfield. you can't win games. You can't win in the postseason with him playing like that. No. No, he's got to be at his best. And, and if then, not, you got to move him down. Now, they do it. Or move him up. You think, but where, to the leadoff spot? Or the second spot or something. Thing is, he's the guy that needs the protection in the big games. He has protection. The problem is that he doesn't have confidence. <laughs> the, yes. The protection well, is not there the it problem. Is. There you go. You know, there and you is. have Corey Seager batting at the bottom of the lineup. Which, which never makes any sense. Of the lineup. Because if you've, somehow or another in Dodgerland, we forgot that before he tore his, uh, uh, his, his arm up, before he had to get Tommy John surgery, Corey Seager was the franchise. Yeah. And the reason that we went and got Manny Machado was because we needed somebody that great to fill the shoes of this kid right. who the whole future of the franchise is resting on. And now he bats in the six hole. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. Because <laughs> he gets hot, that kid can carry you. Well, they're gonna have to he's got great down defense, down. Yeah. and he's and he's and he's offensively well above average when he's when he's rocking and rolling. Did Max Muncy break his hand? You know what? I saw that. I don't know what the what the X ray or what the MRI that means said. That Corey Seager will move up in the lineup probably, and they're talking about bringing up their all star phenom down in the minor leagues, Gavin Lux. Which hopefully Max Muncy. You know, we watched something else that's a that's a problem for the Dodgers. Yeah, which is Max Muncy made an error at second base. I don't think they gave him the error. And I mean, he made, he and made a few errors. They're not they're not literally physical errors, but they're baseball errors. They're, they're baseball, mental yeah, errors. They're mental errors. They're the errors that if the coach sees you do, they make everybody drop their gloves and you do push ups and you run and somebody's got to throw up and the whole song and dance. Or they're the errors that if you're on the other team, you can't wait to see him play that position again that's because it. he doesn't know how to play it the right way. That's it. Instead of being in front of the bag when somebody's still in the bag, he's behind the bag instead of playing second base like a first baseman when it's time to spin two he's when you know that you can't spin two he's standing on top of the bag he gets taken out by brett gardner Mm -hmm. which then in turn in real life the game that they won on saturday should have been tied right because labor torres was headed home while max muncie was writhing around in pain and then they called time time out Which wasn't, you can't give him a timeout right there. The play has to finish. Which, by the way, it seemed like Didi Gregorius may be throwing the game because (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) Tried to lay down the bunt with two strikes. (laughs) One and two strikes. And tried to drag it when there's nobody on the whole left side of the field. Right. What are you doing? I was very disappointed in Didi because he's a way better ball player than that. Yeah. And he showed it the night before. Yeah. (laughs) Big salami. I wonder what the line was on that game. Uh, You know what? The Yankees were, were not favored in any of the games. That's crazy, too. 
yeah, to you, but that's because you picked the games. But, yeah. but you know, they, they took batting practice against Han Jin, which was unfortunate. And a big piece of that, if you remember, was, again, bad baseball from the executive perspective. Gary Sanchez hits like 230. Right. And there's runners on second and third. The game is one nothing at that point, maybe 2 nothing, I think. Or maybe 2-1, I think the game was. And you decide to intentionally walk Gary Sanchez to load the bases for Didi Gregorius? That's what the analytics tell him to do. Lefty on lefty. Nobody in baseball thinks that that's a good move except for Yankee fans. <laughs> and I just obviously thought and, it was great. And Didi Gregorius promptly hit a grand slam. Yeah. On the first pitch of the bat. Told you it was coming. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't really a surprise. That's the terrible part. Well, with Hunter also, even if he has to go against the Astros, even if he was going against the Red Sox, whoever, he pitches to contact. And that's cool in not in the postseason. It's not cool because well, it can po- be cool in the postseason if you're not facing a power oriented a team that that hits the ball hard. Yeah, and the Astros, and the Yankees, they get the ball out the park, so it's not going to be a situation where you can pitch to contact with them. You need a guy like Walker Bueller who can get people out, dominates guys. Yeah, and Clayton Kershaw who can get people out because you saw that uh, Judge went deep on Clayton Kershaw, and what did he do to him the next time? Three pitches, get out of like, there, get out of there. Now he he got complacent because the next cat what was it the Ford? next cat ford and ford's yeah. been on a tear by the yeah. way after he got confidence he, he went did. deep off ford of went deep off of yeah. kirsch and then went up to seattle and started yeah. showing out kershaw gave up three solo bombs and ended up gave up four hits yeah four hits over and seven 11 with strikeouts. 12 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts. 30 dozen no walks and the dodgers had domingo herman in trouble the entire night and couldn't get him they don't, play, they don't play baseball the right way and this is going to be interesting to see because people just – the Dodgers are the odds-on favorite to get back to the World Series in the National League, and I this year they're going to have a rough road. Yeah. I'm telling you, in real life, it's getting tight over there in the East. We still don't know anything about the wild card, but I don't think you want to see the Washington Nationals get to the playoffs. I don't think you want to see the Mets get to the playoffs. You definitely don't want to see the Mets get to the playoffs with that staff, but the Mets have a, 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 a tendency to go dumb, to go complacent in their minds sometimes. But the and Dodgers the post- play and- baseball like that. I mean, overall, they don't play the game the right way. If you don't play the game, I know that everybody feels like they're the dominant team in the National League. Right, they, they win, win a lot of they, they win a lot of games. Win a lot of games, but when it comes down to it, they don't win rings because they don't play the game the right way. When they get into the World Series, they play against a team that fundamentally sound. They don't strike out a lot. The Yankees do strike out a lot, but then they're going to play against. But the, the Yankees have a strategy for striking yeah, out. Yeah, Their which strategy is the long ball. Is the long ball. Yeah. We just need to get one guy on base, and one of the next three guys should get him in. I would like to see Walker Bueller pitch against him because he's a hard thrower, fastball pitcher, and the Yankees love that. <laughs> and he believes in his gas, though. Yeah. He believes in it. And his, they believe in it, too. <laughs> they believe in it, too. Yeah. That, I would have liked to have seen him match up. Um, but, I mean, Walker Bueller dominated that Red Sox team last year, so I'm not – I actually – feel confident about him versus just about anybody because when Rocker Bueller comes out with his 97-98 the Braves jumped works. all over him the Braves are the only ones that jumped on him because he everybody else he had and worked for and I think he's gonna have to see the Braves again I think somebody's gonna have to see the Braves and nobody wants to see the nobody Braves wants to see they a, got a, a more mature Braves a more mature that they had to learn how to win yeah and that's what happened last year and it, I, I'm I, do we know how long Dansby Swanson is out he's back he's back now yeah oh Dansby mm-hmm. yeah he's been back for about three or four days. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He's been back for a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, it seems to be more clear in the American League with the way that things are going, but the National League is all up for grabs. You know, what's going down? How about Nick Castellanos? <laughs> Ripping it. <laughs> Hi, hat! <laughs> no, I let the air out my diet. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick is the real deal, though. He was the real deal in Detroit. Yeah. 
He was. He just seemed like he just lost. He got complacent. I mean, he they lost the desire to play. You don't win over there. They don't if you're win. not winning, why would you want to be in Detroit? Yeah. Yeah, unless you got family there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, apparently he doesn't. And he maybe now he wants to win because he's playing well and it's affecting the whole rest of the team. Yeah, but the Cubs aren't going anywhere either. They, they ha- make too many errors. Their bullpen is not tight. And they are really hurting because Wilson Contreras is not playing. Yeah, and Nick Cassianos has actually provided the pump that they were missing as soon as Wilson Contreras went down. Yeah. But now, it, what's he, five weeks out? So is he three weeks still out? Wilson Contreras? Yeah. He's going on rehab, I think, tomorrow. And he should probably be back at the end of next week. Oh, he can't wait. Yeah, yeah it was four weeks total, right? Yeah. I thought it was five weeks total. It was four weeks total. He's got the hammy problem. That ham bone, ham bone. Yeah. They might have to move him from being a catcher. Yeah, it seems like they can't or get him IVs in the game or something. Yeah, or just, you know, let him play other positions at times. Because now they have, was it uh, Nick Carantini? Yeah. Vic Carantini, he's playing first. Yeah. Because Rizzo's hurt. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I actually I feel that way that you feel about the Cubs is how I feel about Milwaukee. I don't feel like Milwaukee's actually going anywhere this time around. Yeah. They were real threat last year. They don't have any They could have been a problem in the World Series, to be honest. I don't know why they didn't go out and get any pitching. Right. Obviously, they were pitching out there, but that kid, Adrian Hauser, stepped up to the mic, just been throwing really nice since Brent, Brandon Woodruff went out. Hurt, yeah. yeah. And Brandon Woodruff is not coming back until the middle of September, but by that time, and, it might be lights yeah, out. Yeah, it might be. Too, I mean, the race is tight. Yeah, because the Cardinals are playing Cardinal ball. Yeah, Jack Flaherty winning. just now take he, – he took a loss the other day, but he hadn't lost in like a month or something. Yeah, Jack Flaherty's yeah. been super dominant. Yeah. Yeah, and you still have to deal with the potential of getting in a series, a one-game series with Max Scherzer on the bump. Right, or, and I think that more get to the five-game series and you got to face Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Max Scherzer. Right, and all three of those guys are in the top five of strikeouts in, in the National League. <laughs> Them dudes get you out of there. Yeah. And they have exploded. All of a sudden, their offense has just totally and completely exploded. You know what? And Don't's having a great yeah. year. You know, Adam Eaton. Victor Robles. Victor Robles. Juan Soto. Juan Soto. These guys are getting it. Trey Turner's back. Yeah. These guys are getting it done. And Howie Kendrick is doing what Howie Kendrick has done for about the past 15 years, yeah. which is hit the ball. Yeah. I just don't understand, say? though. But I'm talking about with the strikeouts because these guys, you see that they're getting people out of there, but why do you get into account where they can strike you out? You know what I'm saying? Because why? your whole goal is, is an extra base hit. That's why you get into account where they can strike you out because there's no concept of shortening your swing. Right. Every swing, when we learned how to play the game, you're supposed to take a hack for you. Hey, I got one for me. I got one for me. <laughs> I take a hack for me. If that doesn't work out, I one for the team. Then I, then, I, then I take a more conservative hack, just a more conservative hack, and then I'm taking one for the team if I get down to two strikes. Uh-huh. And if I'm not hack for the team, it's supposed to be to go up the middle or to go to the right side. Right. That concept is lost. Out the window. Completely. But it's only going to continue to be incentivized if you have – If you keep paying for it. <laughs> if 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 you can strike out 12 times in a game to one pitcher and still win the game. That incentivizes. I heard I heard the other day in that game that Jake DeGrom pitched that ended up going 14 innings or 13 innings or something like that, there was 46 combined strikeouts, something to that effect. And that the Charlie Steiner was talking about on the radio. He said, just to put it into perspective, in 1941, Joe DiMaggio struck out 40 times the whole season. 41 times the whole season. Can you believe that? And this is why a guy like DJ LeMahieu shows up and devastates Yankee fans especially. Yeah. Especially Yankee fans. Yankee now fans he's the MVP have, of the American League. That's it. Because Yankee fans have been conditioned to accept that style of baseball. Because they see it as, as successful, which is just the long ball. But... DJ LeMahieu gets two strikes on, 
Going the other way. Getting he's going up the, the middle. He's going up the way, yeah. uh, uh, the other way. He's, man, and he's not doing anything different than he did in Colorado the last right. six, seven years. And Colorado, man, was I wrong with that, boy? Well, what can you do? You can't get them all right. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Daniel Murphy, they swapped out Daniel Murphy for DJ LeMahieu? Are you kidding me? Come on, man. And a, and a batter, Daniel Murphy. Play too much. It looks like now they're eating, definitely got to eat the, the humble pie on that one. That was not the move that worked out for them. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, nice article up by Bob Nightingale, by the way, in the USA Today about how the old-timers can't even watch the game anymore. <laughs> We've spoke to old-timers that say that they don't watch the game. They don't even watch I the mean, game some now. of the legends we have. We're talking had, about legends that we don't yeah, want to yeah, remain throw names. Yeah, we're not going to throw their names out. Hall of Famers. But Hall of Famers, literally, that we had conversations with and asked them about the game. Now they said, man, I don't even watch the game anymore. I don't even watch the game. It's that bad. They that's might crazy. come out to do a tribute when it's there, when it's time to do that, but yeah. that's it. But they're not interested in watching baseball. Let's see what the caller has to say. Hello? Dan, you're live on the Ozone to talk about Mets baseball. I heard you got a fantasy draft to go messed up, so we're going to go ahead and make this quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's the latest? How's it out in New York? You guys raining? You muggy? What are you looking like? Uh, You know, it's not the weather that's getting us down, Omar. Dude, uh, what's happening? What's happening at City Field? Uh, well, you know, what I will say is – I. I'm as passionate a fan as any, you know, that it gets me wildly upset when the Mets lose ball games. Um, and I've been at city field through this stretch and it's a noticeable difference, obviously in the crowd and the vibe. And even when they're losing games, you know, Pete Alonzo has 42 home runs. It's things that are, we've never really seen before. And not that, you know, I'm not, this is not a bad team, but this team is clearly not ready yet. Um, you know, to take that next step. And they put themselves in such a huge hole that if you expect to come back from that, you got to play perfect. And right now, you know, they're just not playing perfect. I mean, Noah Syndergaard got tagged the other day and they still almost won that game, but you can't give up 10 runs and expect to win a game, much like you can't get, you know, that far back and have to go over so many teams. Yes, they got themselves back in it, but at this point, you know, they're not out of it. I'm not saying they're out of it. And I, and it's going to be much the same. They have a stretch of, I think, nine games before the last series against the Braves uh, where they play the Marlins and, I want to say, Arizona and another team that uh, – San Diego, maybe something like that. I don't know. But it's going to be much the same where they're going to have a chance to get back in it and then the Braves are going to demoralize them. And, <laughs> to them and you know, but – and, you know, I grew up with that, Omar, so I'm – I'm used to that. If you think I can't see the Mets beat the Braves and, you know, stomach it and wait for next year. Um, but, you know, I think obviously my biggest concern with this team this year has been Mickey Callaway and his management of the team. Really? And I think there's no way he's back next year. I, I think they could make a deep playoff run and he's not back. I think it's noticeable things with him. Um, I know, you know, you guys watch a lot of baseball. But when you see managers make curious decisions, it's one thing when they're, I guess, routinely making the same curious decision, and I'm okay with that. And I don't think Mickey Callaway in the long term necessarily is a poor prospect as a manager. But right now, you see him doing things where you wonder if he's, you know, paying attention. And I'm not saying that to, like, you know, joke around. It's I can point to noticeable examples. When they played in Chicago and the White Sox grounds crew, for some reason, can't figure out how to get the foul line to extend from a foot to the fence to the fence. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this 
this was like two weeks ago. Uh, the Mets were in a tie game in the ninth inning, and Wilson Ramos gets on first base. Okay, and I think Conforto's up next. Now, any manager probably in the history of the game does what when Ramos gets on base? Mine will pinch run with him. It's a, right, and it's an American League game. Okay, so you don't need pinch hitters right. like you would in a National League game, and whatever you have another catcher still. So fine. So he, he never puts in Juan Lagares. Doesn't doesn't put in Juan Lagares, and then what happens? There's a ball that's hit down the line where, like I said, if for some reason the White Sox ground crew can actually extend the foul line to the end, we would have known that it was a fair ball. It looked like a fair ball, but there was no way to tell. It was called foul, and there was no chalk. It was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. But if that ball falls and is a double, Wilson Ramos is not scoring. And again, what does Mickey Callaway do the very next, before the next pitch, what does Mickey Callaway do? Nothing. He pitched, he, no, he puts in Juan Lagares oh. at the end, which tells me that, <laughs> that he didn't even think about it the first time. He didn't think about it. So mm. what that tells me is, okay, yeah, obviously that's the right move, but not just he didn't think about it. Did Are the bench coaches telling him, hey, Mick, you know, uh, how long was Riggleman a coach for? Like a thousand years? So he's got to be telling them these things. He's got to know these things. Yeah, but, you these, know? Guys, but um, these guys are getting ran by the analytics department now, so they don't get to make a lot of decisions yeah. that they want to make. A lot so, of the calls that you're worried that, that uh, you're you're mad at yeah. for Callaway, uh-huh. Callaway is just a puppet for and a, he came a bunch out and of spoke kids about it. younger than all of us who are who've never played an inning of baseball, exactly. who are working the computers to tell the guys what to do. And he's getting a call from the you know, front office to tell him what, when to make changes and things. And Omar, I totally appreciate that. And but what I think and what I see going on is that that is what the play is supposed to be. And then sometimes it gets so far and Callaway will go against script. You know, and I feel well, like he was upset. But that's a, that's what that's what Terry's out. talking about. Callaway has spoken out about it because he's upset about it. It seems as though uh, he's been privy to the emperor's new clothes and he's not impressed right because sure. he's, he's been put and we in a know position he's where he's like oh no so i'm just a figure i don't get to run the team the way that i want to run the team and then next thing you know you know he's ready to lose it like he wasn't in, in chicago when they were there with the cubs but now tell me this with the bullpen do you think edwin diaz is tipping his pitches or do you think that just new york was just too much for him um I don't think it's necessarily either one of those things. I think that he is the kind of pitcher where when he misses, he's missing middle, middle. And, (laughs) you know, I I also think it's, it's one of those things where all of them are doing it. So not to go back to Mickey Calloway just for a second, but he's supposed to be a pitcher, like a pitching coach, you know, he had great success as a pitching coach and he got this collection of arms and it seemed like at the beginning of the year, oh no, Diaz is not going to pitch two innings. Diaz is not going to pitch two innings. Diaz is not going to pitch two innings. Diaz is pitching well. Okay. Then we're going to pitch him two innings, which goes back to my thing of, oh, well, stick with, if you're going to have a, a thing, Diaz is not going to pitch two innings. You know the analytics. He's not, can't pitch two innings, can't pitch two innings. Okay. Then don't pitch him fucking two innings. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you started doing things like that. Not You're not going to find another Andrew Miller necessarily, okay? And you ran that guy into the ground too, all right? So now Seth Lugo is your two-inning guy. When's he going to break? I'm not really sure, um, but I know right now there's no other real arms. Another thing, the first day 
after he said, Seth Lugo, you're going to be the closer. What did he do the next day? He used Seth Lugo in the seventh inning, and he got shelled. The seventh <laughs> inning. Okay, so. We couldn't believe it. Tell me where the logic is, Omar. Omar, I'm a man that likes logic, okay? I'm, I'm, I must be half Vulcan. I'm a, I'm a logical guy, okay? I think it's an and I hate my really? favorite coach of any of my sports teams has been Tom Coughlin because he didn't get in the way. He did the play that was had been done for a hundred years every time. Some people didn't like it, but you knew what you're going to get. All right. So I just think that the, the way that this team has been managed, it looks like it's being managed by someone who is getting fed information that he might not be just exactly like you guys are saying, but it's whatever it is, it's not working out and it's going to be moved on from next year regardless. Uh, so the bullpen with Edwin Diaz, to get back to your question, <laughs> I don't necessarily think he's tipping pitches. I just think that he's uncomfortable. He, man, earlier this year, he looked like one of the best uh, relievers I'd ever seen, uh, to, to be he, quite honest. He's been, the last two years, he's been the best reliever in baseball. Yeah, and the team was playing well, and he was pitching well. Um, he's come around a little bit. I don't know if that's due to the team's recent, you know, uh, except for the past week success, but you don't know. Maybe he's someone who needs the right – thing around him maybe he's got something going on personally i have no idea but i know that i've seen him pitch so lights out uh, and then regress to where he can't throw anything if it's a strike it's middle middle so uh, you know it's hard and familiar's coming around a little bit but like i said all this stuff might be too little too late for this year but all these guys are under contract you know you got everybody under contract except thank god todd frazier um <laughs> So you should be looking pretty good for the future. Not that I'm giving up on this year by Miami, but the bullpen, you're throwing darts at the wall every year. You know that. Uh, every year it's like, oh, yeah, well, this guy, Edwin Diaz had one of the greatest years of all time last year, and he's historically bad this year. You know, every year is throwing darts at the wall with the bullpen. Gotta so, be I think Noah's going next year. I think Syndergaard is going to be gone. Yeah. I was surprised he didn't, well, go, he didn't go this year. Well, what I'll say about Syndergaard is I saw it. I, they were, they were definitely listening to offers, but it was going to have to be crazy. I mean, it was going to have to be a team giving up uh, every nice piece and and pro, major league ready players too. So I don't think there was a uh, a market that really fit him right now. But it's going to be the same song and dance next year, right? And uh, they, but depending on how they're playing, you know, the team could very well be a very good team next year. You know, with the uh, position player, young position player talent they have. So it's, they have all those guys now. They're not out of it this year, but they have all those guys next year. And if you go into next year, even if you lose Wheeler, you're going to have Stroman, who's not my favorite pitcher in the world, but you still are going to have DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Matz, and, you know, whoever, not Anthony Kay or certainly anybody else you traded away. But, uh, you know, uh, Who do you like out of the National not, League since you don't like the Mets? <laughs> um, ah, well, you know, I don't want to say L.A., <laughs> but it's this is the year. No, if you're going to do it, I mean, how many how many chances do you realistically get where you're going to where you're in this good a position? And it just seems like they're toying with teams. Uh, so except the good teams, the yeah. brutal thing, right? Right, but. All the teams have the same problems, you know. It seems like everybody's bullpen sucks. It seems like everyone's got a good top of the lineup. It seems like everybody's mad at their manager, and it seems like everybody wins until you think they're going to win some more, and then they lose. So I don't really know. It's 
it's a very fruitless venture to try and even guess what's going to go on. But I will say right now that it just seems like they've been banging on the door for so long that you got to think they have some experience. The Braves are the depth in their lineup. It worries me for them and they're not out of the woods with the division. Um, the nationals bullpen, I wouldn't trust for a second. Uh, neither would I trust the Braves bullpen for a second. Um, so I, I mean, on paper, yeah, it's the Dodgers to lose. But the cruel thing about baseball is when it gets down to it, it's anyone's game. And uh, hot pitchers and hot hitters, you never know who's going to get going. I think it's the Cardinals. So, I told you that earlier. You yeah. tried to clown when yeah. I told you it was yeah. the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals. They have a complete team. Well, the team. Cardinals are that team that, yeah, they get in and you're worried about them because they're the Cardinals. And they, you know? they play the game the right way. Yeah. They always play the game the right yeah. way. Well, Thunder Dan out of New York, we know you got your fantasy draft to go mess up. Good luck Thank taking you. Zeke Elliott in the first, <laughs> well, in the on, first pick. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Let me ask you a question. I have the Saquon Barkley. Dynasty League. Oh, I, tried, I tried to trade almost every pick I have for Saquon Barkley. It's a good thing it didn't work, but, you know, I don't want to have to draft Zeke with my sixth pick because I hate having to root for him. So, so who do we, what's the question? If you ha- I'm saying, okay, Devontae Adams, Odell, Juju. Any strong preference, it's a half-point PPR, and it's a dynasty. So, I mean. You know what, man? To me, Odell Beckham just, gets hurt too much. And and right. even though he makes spectacular catches, I need to see more durability out of my guy that I'm building the franchise yeah, around. You can't go juju. Right. And fuck him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> since, right. since he left New York, we see how you feel. I'm with you, T. You can't go right, juju so, because so juju. Out. You know, you can't Juju's go juju. Well, I, I like juju actually, he's and not he's a he's, been, product, he's proven when he has another guy on the other side of the field that's the best guy in football, right? So or so the running back. When, when I when I see juju, he's going to be out there alone pretty much this year. It's like juju and Jesse James, and so and and I don't and Big Ben's arm is dead. and Big Ben's arm is, is has been subluxed too many times right. into oblivion. So with that, I'm going to go with Adams. But honestly, if I was you, I think there's other guys. I expect a crazy bounce back season from Julio Jones. Yeah, I expect that. I I, I, I like Hopkins. I like Jones. I like DeAndre Hopkins more than everybody. Yeah, except for my well, man yeah, down in uh, New Orleans. Uh, I like him more than everybody. Oh, you like uh, Michael Thomas? Uh, yeah, a yeah. lot. DeAndre Hopkins. So you have the six pick, and you can pick any. Well, I mean, Hopkins is going to be a, it's a little crowded for Hopkins. When do you uh, pick? I, man, I think I I'm leaning towards Adams, um, but I if Zeke is there, I feel like I have to pick him right. Man, you see, Jerry Jones came out talking tough today. You're moving us right into our football segment. Jerry Jones came out talking tough today, and Jerry Jones said he, he expected Ezekiel Elliott to miss several regular season games. And now with but I can with get, the, if you get tough, with, I was going to say with the, the precedent, and you're feeling all right with the precedent that Le'Veon Bell set of guys actually sitting out and, yeah. and passing on big money. I think it's a whole new world. In the past, you would say, man, a guy's not going to miss ten million dollars, twenty million dollars, blah 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 blah. Uh, now it seems like a different animal. I personally think Zeke will yeah. be back. I think he will bend. I don't think he's going to end up being the highest paid running back in the NFL this year. Um, but they said they were going to offer him Todd Gurley money, and he wants more than Todd Gurley. That's the thing. He, he give does, you more. Than he Ty doesn't Gurley. want. He doesn't. That's this is the problem. He doesn't want TG. He wants TG three plus. Yeah, and that's that's where they're running into an impasse. So yeah, well, and in a, well, I'm in a dynasty league. I feel like the six the games he's going to miss this year don't really even necessarily move the needle that much for me you know 
Well, um, if we're just talking about ability. Ezekiel Elliott is the best. The, the, when you're just right. talking about ability, well, he runs I'm behind huge guys. Uh, Barkley's a monster, but I'm I don't know. Ty Gurley. I, I, and I think until I see Ty Gurley's knee actually shaping up, Ty, I get – Ty I, Gurley missed about four or five games last year and still had better numbers than everybody. So you like Todd Gurley still? I uh, love Todd Gurley. Okay. Yeah, I kept him in another league over Juju. I had to Oh know, yeah, I think that's a safe call. <laughs> no, no My biggest issue is the knee. Yeah. My biggest issue is the knee. Yeah. And he said he's tired of talking yeah. about the knee. He's ready to show. He's you. ready to go. Yeah. And if that's the case, I need T G three. Yeah. Now but, tell me this. What's your take on Andrew Luck? Oh, jeez. Uh it was completely out of left field. I was sitting in left field at the Mets game. <laughs> You're the one who delivered the news. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was exactly it. No, I, I told him, I was like, look, man, you know, if you want a spot at the studio, we got you. We need some interns. Uh, we just put <laughs> our interns at the studio. So, you know, come on through. We could use a guy with a good arm. Uh, you know, our now, to me, the big issue tragic, is, so. is, the, is the clear double standard. The timing. We've, not even the timing. Yeah. He's trying to do something. I've I've been injured myself for a while, and at one point your body stops healing, and it's really frustrating. Now, nobody's trying to give me a bunch of money for it, but in real life, he could have just sat out and stole the money if he felt like it. Right. Now, one thing that I find the most peculiar out of all of it is— And they paid him, too. This is the part I can't understand. Yeah, and they won't give Zeke his money. They're going to give $25 million to Andrew Luck to just walk away. I've, in football, they, they never— That's unheard of. Even with big-name quarterbacks, yes. they don't play around like that in football. Yeah. Now, yeah. you're giving a guy $25 million I mean, I, that you could have even just asked for back, and he probably would have just gave it up. It's not a, it's not I enough. saw that, and I, I saw that, I saw that, and I was like, I am definitely, my life choices have been <laughs> for me to be in the position that I, I told Austin, I literally called up Austin and Eric. I texted him, I said, guys, I'm retiring. Uh, I'll take that $25 mil in the bank whenever. <laughs> whenever you guys wire it on over. <laughs> you know, I. Yeah, because I feel like I've done more for the studio than Andrew Luck has done for the Colts. Ooh. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but you know, no, I, Andrew Luck, I, dude, Andrew Luck seems like one of the good guys of the game. He seems like his, whenever he's mic'd up, it's hilarious. I love how he tells all the guys, oh, nice hit, you know? Right. He's a funny guy. I'm not mad that the guy is paid, you know? I'm not saying no. that. Um, but it's just such a weird, you know, it's just, it's just kind of, gross societal thing where you know like the hierarchy looks out for the hierarchy and it that's just doesn't one, feel oh, particularly it. right to me preach you know and meanwhile you know and i'm not it's i would prefer them to give that colin 25 can't have a job and this guy's getting you know my alarm's going off but in a league where colin kaepernick can't have a job and this guy gets to pay 25 million dollars to walk away that's pretty fucked up i'm just saying and i understand why that dude doesn't have a job right all right, man, go ahead. You're on the clock. We can hear it. Enjoy your fantasy right. draft. Shoot us a screenshot of what uh, who it is you got. Thanks for the call. Peace. All right, uh, I'm going to call you guys later. Right. Yeah, it is a very interesting juxtaposition with the league being notorious for not playing people and and not paying people, rather, and, and also not guaranteeing anybody's money to now in turn just say, oh, here, yeah, by the way, it. here, hold this 25. Yeah. That's for you. I would rather them give the money away. Uh, to to the community, then then to then to give it to Andrew Luck. Not that there's anything wrong with Andrew Luck getting paid, but there there I feel like there should be something there. I'm actually happy Andrew Luck got paid. I like to see people get paid. Right. But when you look at the precedent that the league has set, it just doesn't 
it doesn't, doesn't balance. It, does, it doesn't add up. Yes, yeah, not now. You're looking at the thing now. We're seeing the development of the Jay Z NFL partnership, and what the first thing that they announce is is uh, Meek Mill and Megan Trainer are going to throw uh, going to be a part of the NFL kickoff and throw a concert that, that that they perform in, and they have apparel that they're selling that's supposed to be change and socially conscious inspired clothing that then in turn the proceeds are supposed to go to communities outreach and blah 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 and organizations once again it's very vague they don't say who's getting this money they don't say how much money they're getting it's all you know it's looking what's the percentages but yeah it's looking more and more like you know it's looking fleecing of the people it's looking more and more like you've monetized the movement he has i mean you got to call it for what it is he sold out it just seems just seems like a lot. Seems like a lot, and we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the situation, but right now, my my knee jerk reaction is seeming like it was correct that this was a move that was financially oriented and nothing else. And just to to keep it out there, you know, everybody would have had a totally different perspective if the NFL had gone into an agreement with Kanye West as opposed to Jay Z, right? And if it was Kanye West wearing his MAGA hat to have this conversation, it would have been a totally different look. It's true. And the optics mean a lot. So it's, it's but the, but the results are what's most important. So, you know, still holding out hope that something positive can come, but I'm not holding my breath. Not at all. It'll be something positive, but you're going to have to dig deep for it. I mean, on right. the surface, they're going to get their money. And that's what it's all about. Capitalism at its finest. Right. And now Gronk is making a lot of news. Rob Gronkowski is making a lot of news now uh, because he's really trying to do something for NFL players since he's retired. And he he came out and he spoke out about Andrew Luck's decision to retire, about his own decision to retire, and about uh, some potential things that he's noticed about himself that caused him to retire at 29 years old. Let's play a little of this clip had uh cte obviously one of the worst that they had ever seen in that situation you fear that um that the collisions will take that long time long-term toll especially because you're so close uh with with someone who was affected by that yes um and i'm aware of that and that that's why i took the action and and got away from the game and i was i was i would not lie i was i was walking around my mood swings were totally like up and down and I, I was aware of what was going on with, with my body and my mind. And that, that's why I had to walk away. And, um, but th- I'm doing exercises. I'm getting the right treatment. I'm looking for brain exercises. For example, when I'm home at my house, I have a 750-piece puzzle. I get treatment on my head. Uh, no lie, like I felt my head. I used to have liquid. It used to be thick. Like my head used to be thicker, like a centimeter of liquid, like in some spots and you feel it, you know, I'd be like, what the heck? And like, you could put indents in my head, but now finally I I get the right treatments, doing the right things and it keeps your brain active. And I truly believe I'm just starting where I'm at. If I already got to here and I was at damage, what if I keep doing it? You know, I could keep going higher and higher and higher and it's getting addictive in the best way it possibly can. And that's why I truly believe what I went through. I went through all four reasons to make myself stronger in the end. You know, um, kudos to Grunk for speaking out about this. This is this is something that I don't feel like people talk enough about their experiences with the downsides of, of football success in every way. Yeah, because Rob Gronkowski is arguably the greatest tight end to ever play the game. Yeah. 
And Rob Gronkowski sounds and looks terrible in this interview, in my opinion. He doesn't sound bad to me, but uh, he sounds like a punch drunk boxer to me. Uh, not to me. I don't get the punch, the punchy. But what I do, under- but he's always sounded like that. Yeah, so yeah, I won't. Yeah. So I won't. Uh, that that isn't necessarily saying that there's something that's changed. And he's this always, is where I am. Sound like a like a fraternity bro kind of deal, right? But this is where I am happy that Andrew Luck got his money because <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because these guys, man. Everybody wants to watch him for entertainment value and everything else, yep. but after the fact, after we've destroyed Rob Gronkowski's brain and, and his, his knees and his, and his, and his and body, his leg. I mean, he's one of the toughest tight ends to ever play. They changed the rules, and it hurt him when they changed the rules right. for tackling because people couldn't bring him down, but they changed the rules with the Brady rules and everything else like that. So the big guys... They had to, instead of tackling him where they needed to, they go for his knees. So now he has knee damage. He has brain damage. And he recognizes it, and he's doing something about great. it. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. Great for Gronk. I mean, he just doesn't sound I, I hope he got out in time. That's it. And and that's this is what, if you watch the whole interview, guys, that was on NBC now. But if you watch the whole interview, he addresses exactly that. Yeah. He's saying, look, man, I recognize. And and I was in, in the off season. I started to take stock of my body. And how I felt, and I didn't feel right, and that this is what. Well, how selfish retire. are we as fans that we, you know, you don't even care about the dude? A lot of people are mad at Andrew Luck. I and mean, Gronk. who and Andrew Luck? Yeah, f- because they retired. These and dudes are in Troy pain. Eggman. Troy Eggman went in. Yeah, he went in on Doug Gottlieb, and, yeah. and I understand why he went in. Grunt talked about after he won the, uh, the Super Bowl, he couldn't, you know, he can only sleep for what twenty minutes or thirty minutes at a time. Yeah, because his his knee was hurting so bad. Come on, man. I've had dislocated shoulders. It's terrible. Your body is literally dislocated from your frame. Who wants to live like that permanently with your brain like that, your head? He's talking about soft tissue in his brain. I mean, he's talking about his knees. He won't ever be the same again because he played that sport with not getting guaranteed money. And nobody wants to, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, he's walking away from the game. And, you know, especially everybody on the Patriots takes less money. Yeah. Even and he was as good as they get. Come on, man. You can't. Speaking of which, Julian Edelman still never received my stack. Never got my money. <laughs> he got you. Yeah, you got me, John. <laughs> I thought he got you too, John. <laughs> he got me, John. <laughs> hey, ain't nobody told up for me, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> that what you get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Inside jokes, guys. Inside jokes. Yeah, but that it's just not right. I, I feel like we're out of line as fans. I, if any athlete wants to walk away from the game anytime they feel like it, they've earned that right. I agree. I don't own the dude's body. I don't. I don't have to live in that frame where you got to walk around with the bum frame. knees. I'm getting bit up by mosquitoes right now, and I can't take it. Let alone, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Let alone getting just completely damaged and wrecked, left and right. There's a government freaking outbreak of mosquitoes. Man, what is going on? If anybody has any inside information about the government modified mosquitoes, please call into the line. That only bite below the knee. Yep, the Aedes aegypti is here in Los Angeles, and those are the ones that give out Zika, Chinganyunga, yellow fever, a lot of problems, folks. Anyways, well, that's what we got for you right now. We are going to retire, and we're going to... Wish you guys a happy Labor Day weekend, uh, marking the unofficial end of summer, time for the kids to get back to school. Uh, and uh, I want to leave you with a quote from the great Joyce Meyer. And it is, patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting. Be patient with your life, folks, and remember that we're all in this thing together. I am Omar Miller, your host, and this is Ozone. I'm just living the dream. 
I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life.